people are expecting. People are expecting quite a bit. This is your time. You want to win. You're going to be like this. There are no shortcuts in life. You'll get better because you make each other better. The inches we need are everywhere around us. I know plenty of people that are capable. I know fewer people that are willing. You have to believe it to do it. Now, what are you going to do? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sideline Sessions here on the B Podcast Network. So pleased to have you with us. Hope you've been enjoying the fall season so far, and we should have another great conversation here today. My guest is Charlie Miller. He's a master basketball coach, author, and the owner of Attack Basketball Academy, which is in the Dallas, Texas area. Charlie, in his playing career, was a McDonald's All-American and the Florida's Gatorade Player of the Year at South Miami High School. He played at Indiana University and in the Junior Olympics and also professionally in Europe and the U.S. And then as a coach, he started out training hundreds of players individually on teams and small groups. He founded the Attack Basketball Academy in 2009, and he's also been a head coach of Breakthrough Basketball. So a little bit of everything here. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Ross, so much. So I wanted to start with your playing career, and I just read some of the highlights, right? But it didn't start that easy. <laughs> you had yeah, to start somewhere. So how did you first get started and kind of, I think, at the middle school level, right, was when you first got involved in the sport. And you know, what was your first exposure to coaching, right? How did that kind of bring you along and develop into you know, eventually, of course, becoming highly successful? Yeah, great question, because it's easy to talk about all the things you've done successfully, but like you go back to the beginnings, it wasn't humbling. It was terrible. Right. <laughs> right. So, so for me, growing up in South Miami, Florida, you play sports by the season and football in Florida, if you can imagine, is the dominant sport, American football, right? Right. I mean, it's the dominant sport. So we value playing football more than any other sport because also we were spoiled in South Miami, Florida. Here's why. I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, five minutes away from the University of Miami. Right. Carl Gables, Florida was like across the street from me. So I would go out and watch like the swagger, like the confidence of the Michael Irvins and, you know, the players. And when I was all of eight, nine, 10 years of age. So that like going to watch their practices were like wide open. So to say for one, exposure to like high level athletes was like right in my neighborhood, right? Two, playing sports by the season, when basketball, well, when football ended, basketball began, and that was something we did socially. We just played because we kind of were forced to play because you kind of did everything together. And I don't know. I think I started getting taller and getting hit on the football field was not fun any longer. And all of a sudden I just fell in love with basketball about 12 years of age. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting, as you mentioned, growing up around the, the university of Miami football team in their uh, heyday and that team having these larger than life coaches, Howard yes. Schellenberger, Jimmy Johnson, right? Yes. People who yes. were really recognizable. Yeah. You know, and then I mentioned when you went to college, you played at Indiana. And this was when 
coach was Bobby Knight. He had been there already 20 plus years, won three. Cha- he was already a legend, right? That's right. That's and right. so it was inescapable that that was, that had to be a big part of your calculations in deciding where to go play that certainly a big part of this had to be about the coaches because <laughs> yeah. you knew who he was and he not only highly successful but even now and he's probably been retired 15 years one of the most recognized well-known coaching figures right and from that era where coaches had those kind of high profiles but how were you thinking about that because of course as an athlete it's something I'm sure there were other things about the university that appealed to you as well but a big part of it had to be thinking about okay who is this coach how does this fit what I'm trying to be what I need as an athlete where I'm trying to go to how did you kind of think about that as you were entering all right so one great question I want to back up a little Mm -hmm. bit too because you got to go back to sports in general with coaches especially youth sports when you first start playing they're teaching you the essence of the game, the essentials, the fundamentals. One, you don't really see it as a character development piece mm-hmm. when you're younger. You just want right. to play, but you don't realize like the discipline, the self-control, the behavior modification, all those things that you know now, oh, that's what they were doing. <laughs> right. Okay, I get it. So interesting enough, my football coaches when I was younger, they were all police officers or they worked for the city of South Miami, where I was actually born and raised. So they were pillars of the community. So they were always highly respected. You know, you didn't want to make a mistake, not because you wanted to disappoint them, because you just felt you were going to be in trouble, right? right? So so whatever that was, right, whatever that, now I know it to now be called a primal cue. I'll talk about that coming up soon. Mm-hmm. But like, it was just people of high authority you really respected in your neighborhood. And then that led to me, Ross, really, I would say by the grace of God, I mean, this is like unreal. I'm 12 years of age. I'm dunking a basketball. Don't ask me how. This was before you do vertical jump training. This is before you do any type of vertimax jumping, all the 12, eight weeks we stuff we do now. I was able to dunk at 12. I have no idea how, why. I don't. Yeah. So it was one Friday night that really changed my life. It was actually my future high school coach, Coach Charlie Funk, came to watch a game because our head coach, Coach Morris, said, hey, your future of your basketball program is here. Not necessarily me, but my my friends. Like, they were in the eighth. I was in the seventh grade. And here's your future. So he came to watch us play. And, again, I was able to dunk the basketball, shoot lights out from anyone on the court. I don't know how I'm where I was always had a good aim. I don't know. I was a God given thing. Right. So all of a sudden he walks up to me and said, Hey, you have a chance to play high level basketball. And that scared me. So I was like, who is this guy? One, you don't look like anybody I know in my neighborhood too. <laughs> okay. And why are you telling me this three? I play baseball and football. I don't play basketball. I do some fun, but it was something he was so persistent as saying, Hey kid, you got talent. You have a chance. Do you really good? And I was just really like, again, I don't play basketball. I'm doing this because it's the season. It's kind of like they make us do it for like conditioning for football. But he was so persistent that here it is. I'm a seventh grader, Ross. All of a sudden, he's coming by to pick me up as an eighth grader. 
5 30 in the morning had me go to the gym at the high school practice with this high school team mm -hmm. that was so intimidating yeah because i'm seeing everybody in my neighborhood that are juniors and seniors in high school i'm running away from because not be bullies but just in neighborhood stuff right right they're not bullies but every time you see them you're afraid of them because they're really good and now you're planning and competing against them as an eighth grader and, and you're doing well so it was something he saw in me i never saw myself you just got to calculate that eighth grade ninth grade tenth grade eleven waking up five there in the morning he's teaching teaching me how to work at work you know effort and that led to me to have a stellar career in high school. It was Charlie Funk going to coaches. I saw, I want to kind of give you that story to really paint a picture that I didn't realize what coaching meant right. when I was younger. Now I get it now that it's my turn now to pay this full, this opportunity. That brings out the natural question, which is, can you still dunk? I still can at 46. <laughs> and I'm not, I still can. And, and it's pretty cool to say I can, and I, it's a lot of energy, put it that way. Okay. I'm on the court sometimes, we'll talk about this later, but I'm on the court sometimes for four or five plus hours straight. You know, I'm just trying to show a layup. You know, the kids can dunk. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can show you how to shoot a jumper, but man, dunking, that's a lot of energy now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you said your first, you dunked at 12. I think my first yeah. dunk was at 13, but I don't think I can anymore. And I'm not going to find out because yeah. it's not worth the risk. Of, on, I don't so, want any surgery yeah, or anything at this right. point. That's right. We have to, you got to do the podcast next day. I got more trainings, man. It's not worth it. <laughs> risk is not worth it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. I don't know when the last was. Right? <laughs> I hear that, man. I hear it. I so, so, so this was right. Your experience with coaching as a player. Yeah. And now then of course, eventually after your playing career, you yes. started moving to coaching yourself. Are there certain things that as you were developing your own approach to coaching, right. And I know at this point you really promote a, you know, it's a process over outcomes approach, but are there certain yes. things that you specifically took from the coaches that you had? And are there specific things that you didn't, right? Because of course, when you're at, of course, process over outcomes doesn't mean we don't have great outcomes, but at the same time, when you're playing at elite level, division one basketball and the professional levels, of course, the outcomes are the oh, focus right. in a way yeah. that it's yeah. not a youth development. So I'm sure there's yeah. certain things that you said, yes, I learned this from these coaches. Yeah. It's yeah. part of my thing and other things you said, this is just not the right thing. Right. for this level of athlete or for what we're doing here. Yeah, so so the best way to put that is over time, when you have an opportunity like I've had from high school, high level, college, high level, playing professional sports, high level, what you, to sum it up, what you end up doing is you learn what not to do, right? You learn what didn't motivate others around you. And you saw how they probably, became more resentful or personally right. you, you or now you now have a hard time dealing with authority when someone is sharing with you feedback aka criticism right and it, we always take it to heart i mean it's i mean we're human you make a mistake and you get called out in front of eighteen thousand people you're going to feel a certain way <laughs> i can tell you too many stories of that in college 
but you learn what not to do. You learn to be, for me, it's really about relationships, right? It, it's, it's the best way to say it is you treat everybody fair, but not the same. Right. There's some players you can drive into because you know that's going to inspire them, not motivate them. It's mm -hmm. going to really inspire them to drive because they have it. It's some that you probably have to have a more try softer approach. As a try harder approach, try softer approach. So that's been my my kind of way in a nutshell to kind of put that all in. Where there's been some great takeaways from Coach Knight, there's some things I probably won't do because right. I know how it made me feel. I know how it made me resent things in life that I realized until I got older. Oh, that's where that came from. I realize that now. So I got to the root of things, not just the symptoms. So when you get to the root of it now, it's like you have this opportunity. It doesn't make you soft. It just makes you more aware, right? And this, to me, what makes you more resilient because now it's more of the soft skills of life. You can actually now instill with somebody else and say, I can now share with Ross in a way to correct him where Ross feels I'm on his side and I can't, I have his back versus Ross is the worst thing on earth, which sometimes coaches make you feel at those high levels because at that, it's just about wins and losses. I mean, you're talking right. about it's, you're talking about 18 to 25 plus year old people really um, affording the life you live because mm -hmm. if you can't win, you get fired, right? It's not about, oh, it's okay, John. It's okay, Sue. It's okay, John. It's not, right? So, but yet yeah, that process of improvement is important and sometimes just as important you can't look too far ahead you just don't have to be present right as much right. as possible right yeah i always sort of simple my oversimplification but i would break it down and this is in a lot of things but particularly in athletics where athletes are either primarily motivated to prove you right or to prove you wrong right mm -hmm. as a coach right there's and i think most fit into the first bucket where the the coach who encourages them shows they believe in them it's etc they really that they're going to reach the highest level because they want to prove you're right for believing them and then there's the others that their best performance comes out of you know that that tougher approach that doubting them kind yeah. of, and then they're like i'm gonna i'm gonna show you that you're wrong yeah. right but right. as a coach <laughs> you need to know which is which or sometimes it's the same uh, athlete and you're kind of you need to switch up your approach here and there okay they've gotten a little complacent or okay they seem to be losing confidence. I need to reinstill that in them. But when you only have one approach or the other, that's when it's it's not going to work because everybody's different and, and everybody has those. It might be a day-to-day -day thing where, okay, this, this you know, player showed up today and their head's not in it. And I need to try something different to really yeah. get them focused yeah. here. You know, and, and it's interesting, I, I would say like in whether it's popular culture or just kind of the overall approaches toward it, how things shift back back and forth over time, right? Mm -hmm. We once had this idealized version of these super tough coaches who were just yeah. going to give everything. And then it's shifted to, okay, now, now it's about positive encouragement and it kind of goes back and forth. But really what it's about is knowing your athletes, knowing their That's personality. Right. That's right truly caring about their outcomes and figuring out, okay, what are the things that help to bring the best out in them? Um, no, no question. I mean, if I can interject, what I do now, this is an approach I actually do now because this is a lot of reading knowledge, books, strategies, also 
just experiences what I'm going through, highs and lows with coaches over time. I proactively like to ask young athletes, and it shocks them. Here's the question. The question is, how do you want me to coach you when you're in a bad mood? Mm-hmm. And, and, not, and normally they say, what do you mean? Hey, it's all good now. This is great. Everything I'm sharing with you is working. That one day you had a bad day in school and you came here and I could tell something's wrong, but you tell me that proverbial nothing. And you're sure. That's proactively what we need to activate, that skill. We need to know the rhythms because when you have that bad day, that tough day, I want you to find your voice and say, coach, had a tough day, not to call you soft and say, no, that's strength. That's strength. So now we need to adjust our workout. We need to adjust what we do today because you may not have that physical aptitude. You may not have that physical resilience today. Mm -hmm. Now you need me to be more on your side, not to hold your hand, but to kind of get behind you a little bit. So proactively, I like to ask those questions in the beginning as I'm getting to know my young athlete. So it's something that's, it's a behavior. It's forever adjusting, right? It's not just set, right? That's the process is behavior modification. It's forever going. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's not necessarily head knowledge either. It's heart. You're trying to get to know them for who they are, not what they do, who they are, what they want to become in life. As you know, the ball will stop bouncing. They will become the fifth quarter in life. How can you support them? So that's where I go back to Coach Big O when I was younger. He taught me how to be nasty. Be nice, Charlie, but in a nasty manner when you play. Off the okay. court, you got to be nice. Off the field, nice. On that court, be nasty. That, that stuff I never forget. So that approach is something that, again, proactively, I like to come into when I'm first training a player. I want to get to know them. Not when we're reactive. I see something's up. You don't know me that well, Ross. I'm asking questions. I'm giving you details. You give me back. I'm going right. to take that. I'm going to take accountability because I've been there before and I know what it looks like. It's a boil up. <laughs> right. It's a boil up. So how can I proactively now help myself, but help that young person understand that how you do anything in life is how you do everything in life. You can now have that approach with everything you do, not just on the court, off the court, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that ties in you know, nicely to what you describe about your approach, coaching the whole player, the physical, intellectual, emotional, yes. it's, it's the whole person in front of you, of course, you know, you're coming at it with the expertise of wanting to teach them about the fundamentals, advanced techniques over learning the game, but it's people that play the game, right? It's, you know, you have to know, yeah, you have a bad day, good day, or you, right. I want this to be, if they did have a bad day, how do we turn this into the thing that turns that day around versus uh, now I got to go, <laughs> now I have yeah. to go there. Yeah. So this is just getting worse. Yeah. Having fun with it. You know, there's players I train, they miss a shot. I just, we just first started training it. They miss a shot. OMG, you know, that, but they say, oh my God. And oh man, I'm like, first of all, I'm not even upset. Why are you upset over missing a shot? You try to impress me. Don't do that. You need to learn how to miss. This is rehearsal. Make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You need to make all the mistakes that you can. <laughs> right? Learn that. Learn how to say next shot, best shot mentality. Not react. Play with the emotion. Don't get emotional. Because let that emotion go into technique and tactics. Strategies, not into every time you don't get that outcome you want, 
you blow up. Now it's three or four shots that got to calm you down. Let's not do that. We, But again, that's a process over time where it's about balance, right? It's about balance. Okay, you missed a shot. How about you create an algorithm? I can't miss three in a row if you can shoot that well. I can't miss four in a while. I'm not there yet. Right. Next shot, best shot. Okay. Next. Say next. Say something. Let's instead of the we, we have a reaction to it, let's continue to respond to it and then create a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. When when it comes to balancing technique with mindset, what's your approach there? And it does one come before the other, right? Because a lot of times it's I mean, the mindset is focusing on the fundamental <laughs> and also it's those things of really instilling and drilling those techniques and those fundamental skills so that on that day when you're tired or you're under pressure or whatever is happening like you can get into those routines but you know of course you have to have the mindset to focus on those things first because i'm sure most players don't come through the door thinking let's learn the fundamentals right they're coming thinking about something that they think is more exciting yeah. but that's yeah. how you get to the next level yeah so so great question and one way i share this now with players in a nice way is what i get a lot of times is players want to learn advanced concepts mm-hmm. and i'm always asking a question i'm not questioning them and i'm saying this on purpose I'm always asking, what is advanced concepts to you? What does that mean? And they'll give me their answer. And then I'll ask another question. For example, how many dribbles do we have in basketball? And I'll get, I don't know. Okay, not wrong. It's only five dribbles in basketball. Mm -hmm. Pound, an inside out, a crossover between behind. If we don't know those five things, we want to know some advanced concepts, Complexity does not equal effort. Complexity, simplicity, the key to consistency and efficiency is simplicity. So you don't have to think about these things, right? So so because a drill is complex, doesn't mean it's advanced. Sometimes the most simplest drill is advanced because it helps you focus. And focus brings concentration awareness. So I'm teaching that. That's what I'm teaching more so to the mind. I mean, I know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard the word platitude. You ever heard the word platitude yeah. before? Mm-hmm. That's what this stuff is to me. I'm sorry. Right. And to educate our listeners, right? Nothing against it. But yeah. platitudes, my listeners, are the moral statements that we constantly hear that we don't, that mean nothing to us. Not saying again, nothing against it, Ross. Mindset to mental toughness. Man, I mean, I'm hearing this everywhere I go. I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like, what does it mean? It means so many things to so many different people. Right. So, so for me, awareness is my work. Or you can't do what you can't see. You can't see it because you can't recognize it. You don't recognize because you can't. You're not aware. So we can't do anything. We can't do complex concepts. Let's train the brain first to look out for verbal cues. So that's how I teach the brain. I give verbal cues, action starters, and physical cues, and I give them in rhymes. Right. If we're working on ball handling, keeping it very simple, I'll say this. See chest, change direction. No chest go. I'll have you repeat it back to me. We'll walk it. See my chest, change. No ball. Shadow drill. Right. Learn to progress the skill. And I'm also educating them too on habit stacking, not multitasking. Build the skill layer by layer. So the skill becomes permanent. 
And then I'll find a way to put that same skill, Ross, into a metaphor for life. <laughs> yeah. And so that's how I train the brain. But this is years of studying myself first, my mistakes, my mishaps, my hangups, to say, okay, I've made a turnaround. Where did those turnarounds come from? It was really just one of the coaches I had in my life told me when I told him, hey, I was burnt out. He said, you're not really burnt out. You're not as good as you used to be. Yeah. That was a real eye opener. Some tears came down my eyes. It was just real talk. You're not as good as you used to be. He gave me two books. He said, you got two books I need you to read. One was The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle and The Mindset by Carolyn Dweck. And those two books changed my life. The Talent Gold brought me to The Little Book of Talent, also done by Daniel Coyle, which is basically 52 tips on how to get better at getting better in ways of successful people. Right. And that's what really gave me this approach of seeming really cerebral, but really giving cues, really learning how to teach a lot in a small amount of space, right? Where skills more become permanent, not just something we do in that moment. Yeah. Do, do you, or what do you do with, I guess, <laughs> integrating watching, visualizing, yeah. and doing, yeah. right? Like yeah. one of the things that frustrated me later on in my later on in my life, but when I realized it later was I didn't become that good at watching and like breaking down yes. the sports of watching yes. until after my playing day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, with football, like film study yeah. was part of it. Yeah. And, but then like baseball, particularly basketball, it was like the kind of thing where it was later on when I was no longer playing that I would see the things that I was watching and say, oh, this is what I should have been doing, right? These techniques and those things. And I think yeah. a big part of that is also uh, players, it gives you a more accurate um, view of yourself and how you're executing, right? When when right. you see kind of some of the moves, the whether it's post moves or different dribbles or defensive positioning, right? Some of those important things and you see how it's done correctly, and then you are trying to actually execute on that, you have a more accurate view of what you're doing versus if you just go straight into practicing and doing it and you're never breaking down that tape of yourself or of just others who are good at it, you may, in your mind, what you think you look like is not what you look like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I would say this is, I've been able to travel the world, not only as a player, but also as a coach doing basketball camps, and this is worldwide. Mm -hmm. There, There's three styles of learning, right? There's kinesthetic, that's doing. I got to get the ball and go. I got to feel it. I got to make mistakes on my own. It's auditory. I got. I can listen. Like, you can give me step one, step two, step three, and I, I can go, right? And then there's visual. I can see it. Don't give me words. Let me go. So KAV, right, learning styles. And we all are a mixture. So we might be stronger in one area than another. But to me, on the Western side of the world, we don't like to listen. We like right. to just do. We go. And then they got to show. Me. And the checking for understanding is what we were taught, well, how I grew up. Just go figure it out. And actually, it was harsh. I mean, go figure it out with some choice, choice words. And mom and dad was approving it. Get hit upside the head, your helmet, you know, get pat on your back or your butt. It was done by force. Right? I mean, I'm just being real with you, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to do that in the day and age we live in. I, I know how that was done. That's why I said I know what not to do. 
but you got to take it here. We don't stare at what we want to become like. We don't copy. We don't mimic enough. We don't. We just want to do. Versus I tell players, this is John Wooden's way of teaching. Okay. His philosophy as a coach, to keep it simple, was explain what you want done. Mm -hmm. What is the outcome? Demonstrate it. If you can't demonstrate, you can't demo, find an athlete or find a coach you can model it. Have your athletes imitate what you demonstrated and then coach because coaching means correction. So in an acronym for me, EDIC. So that's the way I tell players, watch me, stare. Don't, don't mimic it. I'm going to have that time. And then do it away from the basket because the basket is disruptive because you have that ball in your hand. You just want to shoot. And it's not the shot. It's your footwork. The game is one from the ground up. It's really your ground in your head. Everything else will follow. Right? So it's the steps. So that's how I've been able to really curtail and help athletes understand. It's not necessarily just watching generic pros, too. We can go watch Kyrie Irving. We can go watch all these pros. That's great. It's a great move. But let's watch the details of that non-dribbling hand make contact, that chicken wing, that offhand. Let's watch it. Look at how the arm was down from that defender. His, his, arm, his wrist got over top. Let's look at that detail. Now, let's go work on that detail. Look at how it's creating use space. So it's a lot of reinforcement I've learned to do over the years. But learning how to stare first and then mimic second and then do is, is really a, the best way to get that skill within about eight weeks, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, one of the things you reference, I think, on the Attack Basketball Academy website is, you know, players that have these goals and and everybody has their own goals right they're coming from all kinds of levels and and but one of the things standing in in between those goals is these confidence crushing roadblocks yeah. right? and part of overcoming that is is the mental toughness piece and yeah. you referenced earlier right there's a lot of platitudes that get thrown around about mental yeah. toughness or sometimes it's just not even it's not even that far it's just yeah. coaches saying be tough yeah. right, right. <laughs> without actually right. teaching it but right. What are some of those, when you think about the, especially the athletes here, you're coaching nowadays, some of those things that really do challenge their confidence or challenge their ability to see themselves getting to their dreams. And then how can coaches go about really developing that mental toughness in them to understand that a lot of those things are real, right? But there's only one way to get beyond them. And that's perseverance overcoming correct and so and I, I call that the other side of success so one of the ways for me is the first challenge i give an athlete whether the athlete is seven or eight years of age to 20 plus years of age we had a great session yes okay can you give me feedback on what we worked on okay awesome okay now where are you going to keep all these things in my head Okay, as soon as you walk out this door, you're going to forget 90% of this stuff. So the best way to say it is when you think it, you got to ink it. The word ink is in think. You have to learn to become a student to write this stuff down. It's too much. I'm really talking about one or two things that you probably learned at the session. If I'm doing a basketball camp, Ross, it's six hours. I'm teaching from nine to three. And I'm proactively saying, 
we're, you're going to learn a lot of details. I can have your head spinning. It's going to help. It's going. It's going to be great. It, it's in your face. It, it's it's going to create advantages. But if you don't take precious time in between water breaks, go to your phone, not to look at TikTok, but to write down in notes one or two things. This is going to be like a slippery fish and get away. All of a sudden, you're overwhelmed. And I think that's what it becomes more than anything. The thinking process in sports is more overwhelmed because I'm not saying this is a problem, but I think a lot of coaches weren't taught or the way the value of notes taking, studying. Right. Because if I only have 50 minutes of a practice session at third period as a high school coach, and I'm getting ready for my this is preseason. If I'm not proactively doing things and I'm only and I only have so many minutes with them per week, then it's tough. It's, it's, and I think that's what happens. It's hard to be effective with a window if it's going to be all dedicated to my plays, my mm-hmm. sense, my actions, and then my small sided games that break down my play sense and actions. What window is there for players to learn how to take notes if that's not something you're proactively planning out weeks at a time? So that's that, that, that to me is one, I'm telling players, you have to get a dedicated notebook. You can't have a 4.0, 3.8, 3.9, two, uh, um, a, a, a high GPA, but on the court, you're playing like a 1.9, a 2.0, and you wonder why. And it's hitting your confidence because that self-image is hit because you're winging it. Let's face it. You're trying to, you're trying to keep all this information in your head, and then in a moment's notice, make these moves? Nah. That's where I say the pros are cheating you. You don't realize a pro is as cerebral as, as they can be. They're watching the same play over and over. They're studying their LeBron watches TVs. Yeah. He's watching eight games at the t- at a time. Right? And, and why? Because he wants to see tendencies. Where are the weaknesses? Where are the strengths? Where are the opportunities? Right? So, so like, that's what I'm more so trying to share with young athletes. I don't care what sport it is, right? You, you want to stare at what you want to become, but learn the intricate details of how you can create advantages and put your opponent at disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when realistically, when, as a, a young athlete, when you either attend a camp or training session you don't know you don't know what's going to serve you the best in the future right you need to kind of take note of that revisit it try out different things because there's that that one skill that one technique that one thing in a in a whole day of different things that is going to end up being the go-to thing for you that's right you know (laughs) but if you're not able to revisit that and try that and test that it's just one day right and you need to yeah. i mean it, it's you need to keep practicing keep trying different things keep testing yeah. them out understanding that the more you play not only does the the physical practice help you hone your skills but just the more your knowledge base expands the more you understand because you've seen more things you've seen different defensive looks or different types of skill sets and players that you're trying to defend all these kind of things that oh now I understand that I didn't understand it before because somebody told me about it but I had never seen it and now I get it (laughs) or now I've seen somebody who's just this person that I underestimated but they just were really good because they knew how to position their body and, and now I understand it and okay what was that thing that I learned about six 
you know, six months ago. <laughs> I yeah, have to go yeah. back and, and think about that again. You know, do players have different ways that that they are? Actually, it's not even the direction I, I want to go because I have something more interesting in oh, mind. Fine, that, um, is I think there's something that you must have learned about through the fact of having the academy and right. the way in which you, and I'm sure this progressed and developed over time, right? But you have a website where everything is laid out. It's clearly articulated. Here's what we do here. Here's our approach. Here's how it helps you. Here's what you're accountable for. All those things that I think is so critical to the success of those student athletes to understanding that all the stakeholders are clear on what is the approach here and what are we trying to achieve and what do you have to do? The players, their parents, their other coaches, right? right? Things that sometimes I think can really be missing, let's say, from a coach who is the the high school basketball coach who doesn't have to, they're the coach at the school, the players are going to come to play for that team. They don't have to necessarily put all that stuff out there or be, or they don't, it's not a requirement that they be as good at communicating all of those things. And yet it's beneficial if they do, right? Right. Because now everybody's on the same page. When you talk about things like whether it's, you know, process over outcomes or whether it's particular techniques or skills that you're trying to develop or whatever it is that if we're all on the same page you understand what our goals are one you can get more support because now you know you if you go home and parents might ask okay well what are you working on and what did you work on this and you can get that reinforcement or your administrators or whoever's your boss right is hopefully evaluating you based on the program that you're trying to run, not based on their perception of what they think it is you're trying to do because you haven't really communicated. But what have you learned through, you know, through that process of having the academy and through learning more and more about how you describe what your approach is and articulate that to the stakeholders that are then involved? Yeah. So I can tell you this, when we first started, I mean, a lot of those, a lot of the ways now came from really attrition it really didn't come from having success and then here's this gps i call game plan for success no it was losing players as we had 20 teams at one point in time in my organization it was trying to be everything to everybody never saying no trying to be at every workout every practice and feel like i let people down not trying to groom new coaches help them out coach the coaches in a sense so it really came from a loss that I said, okay, I had to take a step back and say, one, I have to get better at coaching. Yeah. Just because I play doesn't mean I could coach. Doesn't mean I could teach the game, right? So I think that's the first thing that probably came up. But then second, it was life because for me, as I was reflecting through like losing players, losing teams or organization, this is now like 10 plus years ago, mm-hmm. I had to look at myself, okay, what was I doing missing? What was I still hung up on as a player? What was really showing up when I got mad? You know, it's easy to say now to you, Ross, have emotion, but don't get emotional. I stayed emotional right. <laughs> when I first started. Plus, I mean, it was a brand new business that really was a hobby that landed to now an S-Corp, a full-fledged S-Corp academy. So I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had to get better. So I think it was more learning that if I really want to be 
taken serious in this space as a coach, I have to get better as a coach, one. And then what is my approach? I know what it means to be selfish because in a way you got to be that way. To do the things I've done in life, to be honest with you, there's a selfish element to Gatorade player of the year, score 32 points a game, go to Indiana. That's a, there's a selfish component to it, but then what's the team side of it? Right now, there's a selfless side too. And that selfless side to me is learning contentment, not complacency. You have to learn to be where you're at before you want to grow to where you want to go to. Staying still, right? Being used to grow and develop, process. Learn these techniques. Struggle with these techniques. Now these techniques are a little easier. Now I can stand on it. I can be accountable to it. Okay? You know, but we're talking about 10 plus years of heartache and pain. Success up and down. Now you have a steady understanding and a steady base to now impart. Now let's also talk about this last piece. My statement, because it's really not about my academy. And I say this because of this. What, where we stand on is this. What I tell players is for, is for me to teach you premium individual skills that transfer to universal team concepts in the sport of basketball that fit your coach's playbook, not mine. You come to somebody like me to be an additional resource, to break down coach talk to give voter confidence, to, to say, hey, it may not be good to talk to coach during the game or 24 hours after the game. How about we ask coach questions? Don't ask about playing time. Hey, coach, I know we're getting ready to play X, Y, Z. And I know I'm on the scouting team, coach. How can I help uh, Corey uh, guard so-and-so, that really good player on the other team? Coach, can I be that scout team? How can I ask these engaging questions to break down that barrier of always, okay, that sounds like a question the parent asked him to tell me, and I'm already trying to avoid the kid from breaking the kid's heart, if that makes any sense. So I'm really yeah. trying to give the, I'm trying to give my players a different approach to really understand it's not about your hard skills or robotic-like skills, it's your soft skills. That's your confidence, right? That's your resiliency, right? That's your grit, that's your persistence. How can you find your voice? Right? How can you have a championship mind by having a positive self-image no matter what? And then speak up for yourself. So that those are the things that we're doing. And I make sure that the players know it, it's about me helping you understand your coach's playbook. What do you do? Let's work on the skills. Let me help you build it up. And let's get to the components and pieces of part whole method is what it's called. Right? Break down part of what, what you do whole. So then when you get back, you have a better understanding. You get around. You're a real coach, high school coach. Right. Yeah. And, and by definition, right, it, to be uh, a contributor to a team, there right. are there's no one way to do that. There's no. a lot of different ways. There's it, right. it requires a lot of different types of players and contributors right. and skills and focus and right. understanding who am I? How do I fit in? How right. can I best fulfill my potential and contribute is it's a person there's a part that's a personal journey right yeah. thinking it's not about i need to be better than this person or that it's what are the things that i do and and that's another thing of course that the players can learn by looking at 
those who have been successful at different levels and seeing how a lot of times the most durable, valuable careers are the guys that, you know, that do all the little things, right? Yes. It's not the quote unquote best player, but it's the person who every team has a place for that guy because they do the things that need to be done that a lot of other guys don't do. Well, it's majoring. Yeah, it's, it's learning how to major in the minor things, mm -hmm. but you've got to create space for that, right? And the comparison book, it's everybody. And I'm always look, listening out for when I hear players say, hey, I'm better than that player. And he's on the A team and on the B and like, okay, I don't quote unquote call somebody out to say, hey, don't do that. Hey, what, what makes you think that player is not better than you? Or what is that player is doing every day? This is more so a reflection. Right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big mirror. I'm a six, seven mirror. <laughs> right. Before I start telling you what you're doing wrong, I'm coaching little Charlie. I, yep. I, I've been there before. I, I know when I say, hey, that person is better. OK, would you say that in that person's face? Not trying to you know, be confrontational. No, you wouldn't. So let's so don't bring that to me. I'm not going to feel sympathy. I'm not. I want to teach you empathy. I'm going to teach yeah. you now how to be passionate about. How about you just focus on the things you can control your effort? your attitude, your enthusiasm, your words, right? Your manners, your respect, right? That's what you can. You can't control the coach. Ask if you feel you're better than. Boldly state that. Coach, I'm better than that player. I can't do that. Well, don't come to me with it. <laughs> don't. Right. Don't, because I'm not going to say, I'm not going to add fuel to the fire. I want Let's look at this, but it's an acceptance. It's it, The first step for me is acceptance. Now, it's not accountability, yes. But you have to accept that role of accountability. Right. You have to accept responsibility. And it's not necessarily the accountability or responsibility. It's two words. Responsibility. That's mm -hmm. to be the best ability. It's are you reactionary? Everything's always a comparison. Everything's always fire and brimstone. Or, hey, can I look at this in a different way? Right. It's, can you keep a positive self-image about what you're doing? So what? You're on the B team. How about you dominate and have them put you on the A team? Make it fair, right? How about you show through actions? Do your part, right? So, so over time, there's a boldness I have to it with, again, a respectful way of doing it, of just sharing with players, let's, if you do what you have to do and you learn what I'm going to talk about coming up shortly, just the law of the vital few, your 20% skill set. One of three things you're doing, 80% of the game. So you don't have to think about these things. You know, you know where you catch the basketball, as Kobe Bryant would say, can you shoot? That's one solution. Can you go right? That's the second solution. That's some, can you go left? You have three solutions. You said there's many ways. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's many ways to go right and left. Can you do those things so a defender can't keep you on one side of the court so you can recognize when somebody's close, you can go by them? then that I think will solve 99% of your problems and keeping it simple. Yeah. There's it, it. And it's a, it's also a, a lesson in anything in life, right? That you create value by doing the thing that nobody else is doing. Right. And often, especially as young people, right. You look at that as being the thing that is so excellent that no, nobody else is doing because nobody else can do it. And versus there's a lot of things that anybody 
can do, but nobody right. does do because they're not focused on it. They're not giving the effort. And That's in right. basketball, it's the things like getting the loose ball or always being in the right position. It's the things that makes your opponent say, man, I hate playing against that person right. because they're frustrating because they're always where they're supposed to be. And then they're always just one step ahead with the hustle. And, you know, all those things that, again, anyone could do these things, but most people just aren't focused on them. Well, because uh, but there are opportunities. It's not a value. It's not value, right? When you're younger, you value scoring the basketball. You value the thing that brings you attention. Not wrong, right? Been there, done that. You value, you know, the, the question I always ask, why are you come to this basketball camp? To learn this, learn that. No, you, you learn how to score. Mom and dad, why? To learn how to score, Charlie. It's so funny because the parents mm-hmm. like it. To learn how to score. I want my baby to be the best. I get that. But I'm going to tell you a secret. If your baby learned the things you're talking about, Ross, right? If they're willing, if they're willing and able to do the small things, the word all is in small. That's where the attention to details is at. Because the small things buy you margin for error. Margin for error means I don't have to look over the sidelines because I know I don't, I missed that shot. Coach like shooting up because you're a rebounding machine. You're a loose ball machine. You're the first person in practice machine. I'm buying myself through value added. I'm adding value. And that's and, and, and I know a lot of coaches like to I don't, I'm not trying to trick you, persuade you. I don't want to, I don't want you buying in and buying in. I won't buy it in. What am I selling? No, it's about you and your career for four years in high school where you decide to move on, which a lot of people don't, not wrong. A lot of people don't. And I try to bring that to light quickly. A lot of people I train have no desire to play at the next level. A very small portion. So the ones that don't, I try to find a way to kind of curtail this in a nice way to say, hey, think about this. You are really stuffing your resume. You're really trying to get ready for X, Y, Z. You you already said you want to play, play college basketball, but yet you're so mad upset. You're not getting the playing time in high school, middle school. I'm confused. Which one do you want? Right? If you really want it, you have to put time in it. And not time with me, time away from me. We can't just relearn this stuff, right? Or reteach. There has to be an accountability. That's where I, I kind of, like, I'm a little different on that. I can buy in. If I have to sell you on something, then, then there's no accountability. You have to accept that one. You have to accept that, right? And that's the response. And if you are feeling pressure, that's a privilege. That's Coach Nick Saban's words. Pressure is privilege. That means you, you're doing something of a high note, and you want to take that as an honor, and now that should drive your efforts even more. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie, so we've covered a lot here today. And there is one other thing I wanted to touch on before we close, because there's these challenges that are present in modern youth basketball. And I think um, a lot of which have been associated with basketball for a long time that you might get into, but also now those trends have carried into a lot of sports. Right. And so coaches, parents, and athletes that are involved in youth sports, whatever it is, I'm sure are facing a lot of these 
challenges. So I wanted to get your perspective on what are some of the challenges that have been coming up top of mind for you and what are coaches able to do to address them for themselves and to help their athletes do the same? Well, one of the main challenges I face a lot from both sides, because I'll have coaches call me and ask me questions on how to deal with an irate parent or a parent mm -hmm. that's so consistent and will ask about playing time. And then it's funny because I hear from a parent or a player to get coached up on how to talk to coaches who ignore their sons or daughters, right? Mm -hmm. So so there's an interesting mix for me. But I think overall, it's communication. It's really how to communicate in a way where I may disagree with you, but I don't have to be disrespectful. And I think it automatically sometimes goes for disrespect because of the challenges that we hear on social media, the fights, the, the, the rages, or whatever it might be. So I think it's one, how first you have to learn to be truthful to yourself first. It, it starts with me. I, it's hard to have a hard line conversation because you feel like you want to, you don't want to break somebody's heart, but you got to think about that. If that's you, wouldn't you want to know the truth? And then from the truth, can we now put together action steps to get to a place of space where we want to get to? Right. It's communication. I think communication, it's, it's hard now. Because we're such an outcome-driven society, not wrong. I mean, I'm outcome-driven too, but, you know, I got a great sign that I know we're not going to see each single day. And I said it, it's a great sign, right? You see that sign right there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. It's that, right? It's not having what, I, what you want, it's wanting what you have. Mm -hmm. You said it earlier, it's here's this skill, if I get this skill. You have five other skills, unique skills right? That you're so good at, how can you know do your best with that? And then kind of go through a filtering process to say, are those skills do I really need? But I think communication, to get back to that point, is one of the biggest challenges is learn how to, you may disagree, but don't be disrespectful about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's totally right. And it continues to go back to that concept of knowing, understanding, being, yeah. who you are right yeah. as a person as an individual yeah. as a community member as a teammate as an athlete you know and this trickles down of, of course everybody's not looking at it at the the professional level and particularly nba level but if you think about mm -hmm. even the way that prospects are evaluated in the nba draft right maybe the top 10 picks uh teams are looking for potential star level players after that, the question really is, does this player have an NBA skill, right? Is there one thing that they do really well at the level to play at this level? And that could be the same in college, high school, whatever. Is there, what is the one thing that this player is really good at to elite? And if they can do that, they have a place here, right? Yeah. And that's part of being realistic with ourselves and saying, what's the thing, what's the one thing that I can do or learn to do or train myself to do better than anybody else that I always am able. And also if I'm not doing that, <laughs> right, I need to be honest with myself. And that's, of course, I'm, I'm assuming for young athletes where having different coaches to work with different 
impartial opinions yep. if they're one if they really want to do it you have to be open to the honesty That's right. to go and say look i'm not getting a lot of playing time with my team right now what am i missing <laughs> right? right because i can be mad at the coach for not playing me that's right and it's not that coaches are infallible and they're always perfect but right. there's probably something that i'm not showing my coach that i'm not doing in practice whatever the case may be that i need to do a better job of to earn that opportunity and what is that and i and and so for and that's i think again not exclusive to sports but where a lot of the challenges come in all kinds of areas of modern society is yeah when we're not honest with ourselves with our children as a parent etc to say look ultimately yes there are certain things that are out of our control but there's other things that we're accountable for and it doesn't serve me to be blind to that or to just (laughs) right and it doesn't serve me to try to be what i'm not it's it serves me to be the best at what i am yeah 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 but and also like to share it comes down to performance right i mean that's what i mean a lot of times players you, you take players that may not play a lot they don't get that opportunity so you're doing your best in practice and it becomes down i don't trust you i mean that's really what playing time is about trust that's it's trust. If, if, if you know, you gotta think. In a, in, a, in a college game, five players is forty minutes. It's two hundred minutes of play, five positions. Players that are trusted. Again, my word. I found my words. I say, players who've grown the right and earned the right for margin for error. They're gonna get the majority of the minutes because the coach knows, good or bad, what they're gonna get. They, they kind of know that outcome versus a, a player they question a player who's not really trusted in in valuable moments. So how do you have a proactive conversation with a seven-year-old, eight-year-old to prepare them for that for life? It was literally today. I'm just thinking about it. It's today. Balance. Today was our theme word. What's balance? You play all the sports, yes. You play football, yeah, coach, it gets me strong. Yeah. Play volleyball, yeah, agility. Balance. Do that to life, too. It starts early. I mean, it's like little things like that. Character work was balanced today, right? How to have that balance, right? And really, at the elite levels, the balance becomes, we talked about earlier, law of the vital few. We don't, we don't ask Steph Curry to go rebound on the basketball. We don't care for Steph Curry's rebounding. We don't, even though Kevin Grant's seven defeat, we don't care for rebounding. You end up shooting the basketball. You know who you are because, again, not to take away from being realistic, you know your relevancy. It fits. You're relevant to what that need is. And you know that need. Right now, the big term in basketball is three and D. You shoot three-pointers, you play defense. That's typically 90% of the league. <laughs> right. The top 10% you talked about, the ones that make a gazillion dollars, they have built the margin for error, and we know that. And it's accepted. So at the younger levels, it's more about understanding. Build your skill. Understand the why first. What is why you build your skill? Cause and effect. Now learn how to be your skill, how it's processed. Steps one, steps two, and three. Then it's when, W-H-E-N, the setting. When to win is what I call it. You got to learn when to make a move to win the advantage. Gain it, when to win. What is what we always do? I can go to Google for what? That's what brought me to the, the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> but it's when why 
and how? That is the question. And I think the quality of the questions will always determine the quality of the answers. If you can continue to find your voice and understand your value, what we talked about, then you can find that balance in life. You can find those relevancies of the things that you're becoming more and more of when you put your efforts. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't think I've talked about this much on this podcast, but it definitely has come up in, you know, we've talked about students and education and teachers yeah. and the co- same concepts around one of the things that is I often because of the focus on, and sometimes focus on that, that well-rounded means that every area, right. With yeah. GPA being the average and, and all those kind of things that majority of time ends up getting spent on the areas of relative weakness um, versus the areas of relative strength. And and, and it's the surest way to kind of diminish that desire and love of learning the same way it could be the same to to diminish that desire of playing a sport to say, okay, you're really good at these two things. So you don't need to work on them anymore. Now we're going to spend all our time trying to get you to be good. And versus saying, okay, yes, I mean, there's weaknesses that sometimes need to be strengthened, but at the same time, there's also no limit to how good you can be at the things you're good at, whether that's science and math or whether that's shooting and rebounding, right? There's no, it's not, okay, you've already reached a hundred percent. You're a perfect shooter. You've never missed a shot. We don't need to practice shooting anymore. We need no. to practice this other thing um, or whether it's another sport where like I, I remember in my own experience, I had a, a, a time where a baseball team, we got a new coach and he came in and he saw I'm six, five. And he said, look, you look, you got, you could, you should be a pitcher. You're six, five. And I'm like, I'm really not a pitcher. I'm more of a hitter and right. really tried to make it into a pitcher. And it just kind of yeah. diminished my interest guys yeah. i know that this is not what i am this is not yeah. what i'm good at right yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no so. right on right on right on and, that, and that's the spots systems that we have created at attack basketball and the spots systems are blind blurry and bright blind spots you don't know what you don't know you keep trying to force left hand layups but you're really good at right use your good hand no one's gonna put an asterisk if you score a right hand left on the left side Oh, but my coach wants to. Okay, question I always say. I'm a surgeon. You know I'm left-handed, Ross. You have a dog. Hey, you know what, Ross? I'm going to try to do surgery today on your dog's right leg with my right hand. You okay with that? No. Not at all. So, so, so like, this ideology of I got to work on my weakness. I got to keep working on it. No, find what you're really good at and get better at it. Strength finder. Come on, right? Find your strength, find your bright spots. That does not mean don't work on your weaknesses, but you know your weaknesses take a lot of mental energy and effort to produce. So you want to find, eat the frog, Mark Twain, eat the frog. What is that? Do the worst stuff first. If you really want to work on your weaknesses, do that in the beginning. So when you're tired, you can go shoot because you know that's that's your thing. You can go sleep and shoot. You can do yeah. those bright spot things. You don't need the motivation inspiration. So it's like really helping a player understand that, but it's really get to know them as a person. You know, it, I mean, it, it's really this simple. This happened to my, my now seven-year-old. We had a counselor help us with our son. He was throwing big temper tantrums. And, we, and she real helped us realize it's always on Wednesday when his day was stacked. We didn't, I didn't even think twice about that. 
okay, so here it is. We're trying to get him to do things at four or five, but it's the it's after after school or whatever. It's the it's right. that hour right. of this, hour of that, and he's coming home tired. And we're like, we don't want to hear. Oh, we see it. So for me, you gotta find your worst day of the week. And if your worst day of the week, you probably want to do the things you're really good at. You gotta think twice about. Yeah. So so easier said than done, but these things have come over time. But it's a, it's it's not a sale because I'm not trying to sell it, but you gotta find the bright spots in the classroom. What are your bright spots? Right? You know, what are you not good at? Go get all the help you can get and it's okay to go get help. Mm-hmm. But learn yeah. how to teach also, you know, well don't hurt as a as a student. Because when you learn how to teach, you learn things twice. Yeah. Absolutely. So Charlie, it's been, I mean, total pleasure to have you on the show. I'm sure our listeners feel the same and we're going to put the links below to the attack basketball academy to the youtube channel social media there's some courses online but yeah where would you like to direct our listeners what's what are some of the things they should check out to learn more first our website attackbball.com first place to go to a lot of things that ross mentioned earlier you can go check out second place is our youtube page and it's a you can go youtube and i want to make sure i have the right link for you so i want to tell you something wrong so on youtube it is at attack b-ball so it's the at sign a-t-a-c-k-b-a-l at attack b-ball and right now to date we have over 809 videos (laughs) 809 videos and you can go if you want to go to the playlist the playlist can give you categories mindset categories, ball handling categories. So really breaking down the buckets of skills to tactics, strategies, team concepts. So over 809 videos. And then we have also our courses you mentioned, our courses that are paid premium courses that really give you the details of now a calendar. The YouTube is great to kind of give you the free stuff to kind of teach you the how, when, and why. But the a coursework, the eight-week coursework that Studies suggest that when you do things, it's not 30 days, it's eight weeks, mm-hmm. right? And, and we have actually courses that are color-coordinated to help you kind of guide you through ball handling, finishing, shooting, over 150-plus drills with our training vault exercise as well. So that is our Podia site, and I want to make sure I give that to you directly as well. And I want to give you that direct site. Let me find it real quick so I'm on target and on time. Odia virtual training vault. It is courses. The word courses, C O U R S E S dot attack, A T A C K B A L L dot com. Courses, bball.com. You can find all our courses from our vertical jump training to our uh, training vault. Again, it has over 130 videos with 10 different skill sets. Excellent. Yeah, listeners will put all those links below. There's a variety of different online courses there on the site. Very affordable. You know, I browsed through there earlier, again, with the YouTube channel. Of course, if you coach basketball, you have a son or daughter that plays basketball a lot on there, but also some stuff on mindset and mentality that could be helpful uh, with other sports. But we also have the Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn links. So we'll put all that below. Check out, you know, any and all resources that are helpful to you. And please do 
stick around here subscribe to sideline sessions here the rest of our fall season we're going to keep bringing you a lot more conversations with coaches from all across the landscape also visit bepodcast.network to learn about all of our other shows charlie miller it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show thank you ross i appreciate it so much edited by gage sanderson